Welcome to another episode of Focused on Christ, where we are passionate about exalting Christ and equipping the church. I'm Mike Crump, you're with Pastor Nathan Smith. And Nathan, I know you're an avid reader. Uh, you like to go through the books uh, more than I go through cookies, which is pretty amazing. Um, and I was curious if you have a favorite book or books that you have read this year. Yeah, it's a book called Salt. Salt? Salt. Look it up on Amazon. Okay. It's, it's a secular book, but I mean, I can give you a... Uh, uh, other so what's books. it about? Is it about flavoring? It's literally the history of how salt has controlled the history of the world from a human perspective. That's fascinating. Like the manufacturing of salt, how it controlled trade, how it controlled health. I mean, even a lot of our modern language, um, we have a lot of references to that came out of the salt trade. If I said you're not worth your salt, Mike, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's referring to the Roman soldier who was paid in salt. And if you did not do your job, you're not worth your salt. Wow. So things like that, um, how it controlled the haddock trade. Um, okay. I mean, literally the world history, humanly speaking, and nations and powers and empires rose on salt. I was not expecting that answer, (laughs) but it is fascinating to me nonetheless. I think the last time I heard of a book like that, it was someone who was reading about basically the history of mankind based off beverages. Oh, like interesting. What were popular and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So really interesting. Okay. That is, I, th- I think I think, I think, think mine might be a little bit more scholarly than that one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. It's uh, actually a really good read. If you, if it's a, It can be a little heady at times, but it's really good. So if you like flavors and you like salt on your food, maybe you would like to read the book. <laughs> you have salt. to like history, too. <laughs> <laughs> that you is key. like history, but it is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, another book um, I wrote, read on... Um, uh, faith in the Byzantine world, mm-hmm. uh, examining uh, basically the church and the faith as it as it grew out of the Roman Empire into the early Byzantine times, and that's actually really fascinating because it, um, it you really see how a lot of the church councils wrestled with with doctrine and church topics yeah. that were really uh, really foundational to what we believe today. Nice, nice. So. Uh, my reading list has basically been Dr. Seuss compared to that. So <laughs> let's move on. Okay, I will say that no. my kids have rediscovered <laughs> Asterix and Obelix. Have, have you? Have you have you ever seen seen no. those comics? No, I have not. It's a French guy who wrote these comics of these two. It's 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 utterly, they're funny. I grew up on them, on the mission field. Okay, but they're excellent. I might have to look into that. Asterix and right. Well, thank you for giving us all sorts of <laughs> random things that we can look into. Um, today we are. What's your favorite book? I'm, wait, hold on, you didn't give your. What's my favorite book? Yeah, besides Doctor Seuss. But <laughs> Uh, this this year, one one of my favorite books this year has been um, the Bible. The Bible. Yes, yes. I'm going to get that, that one. that was Isn't that it? was a cop out. Do you feel Do you feel better now? I do. Um, actually, no. It's um, War of Words has actually been one of the books that's been just one in my repertoire hmm. this this year, um, and it's a Paul David trip, and it's just about communication and how God has has given us words, and we are to steward them like we steward money. Hmm. And so there's just a, a a really helpful but also challenging view of communication. And so that's been that's been one that's kind of been in my mind. I've been chewing on for a while this year. Oh, that's really good. I yeah. think that's a really good practical one. Um, there was another practical one that I really. Enjoy. I mean, I've been through it a couple of times. Yeah. But I occasionally go back and review um, when uh, people are big and God is small. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm reading that one again too. Okay. So yeah, excellent great, great book. book. Really recommend that to people because it's just uh, helps with the whole. Fear of people, people-pleasing mm-hmm. realities of life. Yeah. There's also one I'm reading called Oregano, which is a, that's a whole other thing. It's, uh, just, <laughs> it's 
Oh, it's you really had me for no. a minute. Yeah, no, I know what I know what oregano is. I'm sorry. You look okay. at me like oregano is a spice. Uh, Ray, I, I just think you looked you looked confused is. there for a second. All right, and on to our discussion. Um, this this actually has been quite fascinating. Um, we are going to be in First Peter today. Um, and we're going to write be, about chocolate. We're, he doesn't write about ch- chocolate. <laughs> Cumin, but not chocolate. Okay. Um, in First Peter, we're going to be asking the question: How do we live in a world that hates us? Mm. Um, I think this is something, especially as the here in the U.S., uh, the church has for many years kind of had a respect from the society, from authority, and it was uh, esteemed. Yeah. But as time goes on, that's becoming less and less to the point where now the church is viewed in antagonistic view. It's seen as something that is hindering society in many ways. And so before we kind of get into First Peter specifically, I'd love to just ask that question. Why is it that the world is so hostile to Christ and his followers? Why is that the case? Uh, well, the most practical reason is because Jesus said it would happen. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Matthew 5, and actually I didn't think this was going to happen, but I'm going to weave in our topic and salt. Okay. Um, because if you look at the final Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, mm-hmm. what does it says? The final two Beatitudes are, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Okay, persecution, because why? If you're going to heaven, it's because you... I've been made righteous. Mm. And because we live in a world of unrighteousness, the world hate loves darkness and hates light. Yeah. And because you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, going back to that Ephesians 1 talk that we had, mm-hmm. that's our identity, your very identity stands in contrast to your heavenly identity. Mm. You know, the world identity stands in contrast to that. So blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for there's the kingdom of heaven. And then the second beatitude at the end there is verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Yeah. So Jesus is pointing out that the world hated him. Mm. And if you name Jesus on my account, they're going to hate you. Yeah. And then he goes right into verse 13. And what does he say? You are the salt of the earth. Mm. The salt has lost its taste. How shall saltiness be stored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, be trampled under people's feet. Mm. In other words, you are the one who is giving flavor. Mm. You are salting the earth with the truth of the gospel of who God is, of Mm. righteousness. That's who you are. And that is who God has made you to be. And so the world hates that about us. So that our very identity stands in contrast. And even um, the Apostle Paul said that uh, uh, we are a fragrance. There's another culinary reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We are a fragrance, some unto life Mm -hmm. and some unto death. Yeah. Because we're standing for a fragrance that calls you to make a decision about Jesus. Why is it important for us to have this understanding? I think some people are caught off guard by the reality of this hatred towards the things of God um, and maybe even see it as odd. But why should we have a a right theology, if you will, about suffering, persecution as we walk this world? Oh, man. Um, let Let me think about where to start on that question. It's a great question. I think I would start with saying, Let's make sure that we're hated for the right reasons. Mm, um, sometimes yeah. Christians are hated for the wrong. In other words, they pick the wrong battles, yeah. and they're just mean-spirited. They're they're picking fights. Yeah. They're quarrelsome. Basically, they're 
they're actually disliked because of their innate in ungodliness. Mm. Um, they're not not liked because of their godliness. They're not liked because they're ungodly. Yes. Yeah. So the world universally doesn't like ungodliness. I mean, nobody likes a mean person mm-hmm. because it just seems contrary to what seems right. So it's built up morality even in the greater world. But on top of that, so so we want to make sure that we're we're hated for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if we understand and we have a good theology that that we are but sojourners in this world, that this is not our home. Yeah. To not live for it, to not sacrifice for a temporary housing. Um, let, let's make sure we live through this world reasonably, mm-hmm. but let's also make sure that our identity clearly does point to and decry the reality that we are heaven-bound. Yes. And when, when Christians confuse that and they start living for this world, or they get upset because people hate them, mm. well, I would say that the godly hatred is pe- the, the world admiring us for our convictions and beliefs. Mm hating what those beliefs stand yeah. for. Yeah. And the manner in which we exercise those beliefs can be admired. Yeah. So historically, you see again and again the church being persecuted, but actually even unbelievers saying, wow, mm. yeah, I hate you. I'm going to burn you at the stake, but I can't deny there's something different, there's something different here. Yeah. And I think that's what I love, to love about First Peter, uh, which is one of my favorite books, is because it really does – Mm-hmm. Play that out uh, in a very practical way, um, but one of the one of the verses that comes to mind is actually eleven and twelve of First uh, Peter two, and you had just kind of quoted this a moment ago. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. So there's that. Be holy, be holy. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that they, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So there's exactly what you were talking about. So they're going to see you, and they're going to hate you, but at the same time, they're going to go, man, God obviously is with you. Or something is different. Or something is different here. Like like, like the, the disciples who stood before the Sanhedrin, and the, it says in the book of Acts that they took note mm. that they had been with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a fragrance of Christ that rested heavily on them. Yeah. So don't stink because of your own ungodliness. Rather, have a good fragrance because of Christ so heavily resting on your person. Yeah, so good. So as we look at First Peter, um, he gives a lot of very practical examples of how we are to live in a world that is continuing to hate us. Um, and so let's jump into some of those. Uh, let's begin in First Peter chapter 2, verses uh, 13 and 14. Sorry, I'm starting to laugh because already this is going to be some – of, some of these things are controversial. They're, they're, they're countercultural to our worldly yes. wisdom. Sorry, continue. No, 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 you're fine. Uh, and this is one of those. Be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good, or the president of the United States of America. So here we – okay, that's, that's – And little. everybody just turned us off. No, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully you're listening because this is really important. So what does it mean to submit to the government, especially one that's when we think of a hostile government? Um. When we talk about submission, don't don't interpret this as like some absolute form of roll over and don't apply wisdom. Yeah. Because even the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts at times exerted his citizenship mm-hmm. even before Roman powers in order to navigate some of the persecution yeah. that was inherent there. Yeah. However, he did so with respect and honor 
and dignity. Um, to be blunt, there is never an excuse for any of us to decry in just mean-spirited hostility mm. against any earthly power. You lose your testimony the minute that you do so. Be subject to the Lord's sake for every human, to every human institution, whether it be as the emperor as supreme, which, by the way, it mm-hmm. was Nero at this time. Mm. When Peter wrote this book, this was not a friendly government. Yeah. This was a hostile government. This is a government that did not stand for the church, mm-hmm. that hated God, and all the earthly powers were empowered to persecute the church. And yet Peter is still... So if this letter had gotten into the hands of any of the Roman powers, what would they have written? All right, who are these Christians about? Well, um, I believe this guy, Jesus. And it says, be subject to the emperor. Oh, okay. They're not leading rebellion. Yeah. Let yeah. me put it this way. If your Facebook transcript made it into the public <laughs> sphere, would it have that type of dignity? Yeah. I think it's very convicting. It is a very convicting thing. And uh, because we – now, Grant, here in our country, uh, we have freedom of speech. We can speak out. Yes. We have levers of, of of influence through voting and things of that nature. Yes. That we can use. And we should. And we should. But when you kind of cross that line into people seeing you more as the political person rather than the Jesus person, is that kind of the concern there? Is like – I yes, see you more as the rebellion is. against the government rather than the loving of Christ and seeking the eternity. Yeah, politics uh, politics, and the conversation around politics never gives us an excuse to jettison uh, general Christian conduct. Mm. And what is general Christian conduct? The fruit of the Holy Spirit to be Christ-like, to actually live in such a way that honors Christ mm-hmm. and showcases Christ. And we look at the way and we see Jesus uh, even interact with uh, powers and authorities. Yeah. Um, he did not challenge them on political basis. He, the people he called out bluntly, were people that he called out according to spiritual realities. Yes. Yep. Um, and and as we were reminded, even in an earlier conversation that we had, Mike, is anybody who uses Jesus's sarcasm and bluntness as an excuse for their sarcasm and bluntness, mm. just keep in mind there's a massive difference between you and Jesus. Yeah. Sin. Sin does play. A big role. <laughs> yeah, for us. it does. Jesus was able to wield those things perfectly without sin. When we wield them, it becomes dangerous. Yeah. So, I would say that the, the the purpose and the intent here is that under persecution, remember, mm-hmm. Peter's writing to a people who are being persecuted. Yeah, under persecution, there is still to be an honoring and a respecting of mm-hmm. the authorities and powers that even are persecuting you. Yeah, and that's hard for very us. Very countercultural. It's very countercultural, and even. Going further there in First Peter, he's not only speaking to governing authorities, he then goes into masters and servants, those who, and think of it in terms of like employee-employer kind of thing. It's like, how do we treat our bosses? How do we treat those who are in authority over us in our workplaces? Do we speak ill of them, or do we submit in Christ under them for, as you were saying earlier, for our testimony to be seen as such? that we are glorifying God in our actions. Yes, the submission speaks to our posture. It's Mm. our posture of respect and honoring. That does not mean that we cannot employ godly wisdom Mm -hmm. in godly instruction of be slow to speak, Mm. you know, quick to listen, and slow to anger, being able to speak respectfully. It doesn't mean you can't talk with your employer or use those channels availed to you Mm -hmm. to actually communicate and maybe work through some scenario, yeah. but the posture does remain one of honoring 
and recognizing their inherent authority. Yeah. Peter also then goes into marriage, and I, w- I do want to just stop on this one for a moment. First uh, Peter 3 mm-hmm. says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respect and pure conduct. Uh, maybe help us understand this, because I have heard this one used to justify basically enduring through abuse situations. Mm. Is that what is in mind here? And how, how can we, with wisdom, understand this? Uh, just so we can say unequivocally that uh, abuse of any kind is a horrific sin. Mm-hmm. It, it is, is an aggravation of a holy covenant that is unacceptable. Um, there's a couple of ways to answer this. This, And, and from an, in the societal standpoint, is that um, this can never be used to legitimize abuse yeah. because abuse is against the law. Yeah. So that, that, that cannot, under any religious guise, because our, our faith is always understood to be in concert with um, even the state powers that do exist. Mm-hmm. So if the state makes a speed limit and you violate that, then you're violating the government, which is in itself can be a sin, mm-hmm. right? So we understand those realities. So the abuse, uh, just even in our state, in our culture, it yeah. is against the law and wrong and cannot be justified. Let's just let's just hypothetically take mm-hmm. the law off the table and we live in one of the many countries around the world where wife beating or such things do exist yeah. and are allowable. Um, I would also say that that is a horrible travesty and much more complicated to navigate mm. because it is a reality where women do come to Christ, especially in the Muslim world, and they live under an abusive husband. Mm. What do they do? Yeah. Here, this this is a case-by-case thing. I'm not saying that she needs to stay under the abuse, okay? Yeah. Let's be very clear. But we have to be careful about taking a broad, sweet principle and applying it in every scenario. Mm-hmm. So we know abuse is always wrong. We know that can never be legitimized according to Scripture. What is Paul's mindset here? I don't think that his mindset here is trying to itemize like, if your husband is throwing an iron at you yeah. or a frying pan at you, stand there and take it. Yeah. That is just so outside of the context of what is going on. Mm-hmm. What he's talking about, he's talking about being, let your conduct be holy. Let it be righteous. Okay, he's not perfect. He's not, I mean, maybe he's not even a believer, but but let your conduct be a witness. The goal is the is the witness mm-hmm. aspect of that. And the same thing goes for the for the husbands in verse seven to live with your wives in an understanding yeah. in an understanding way. So I think we have to be careful of imputing like abuse in here mm-hmm. when it's not mentioned here at all. Yeah. And in other parts of Scripture, when we do talk about violence or even violence towards women, it is soundly condemned. Mm-hmm. And even if you go all the way back to the Old Testament law, where there's some challenging texts, I grant, but even there, there were protections against women or for women in very challenging scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in the same way that we see them today, but again, that's a whole different conversation. But the main point here is is that the goal is positively oriented. Yeah. It's positive to demonstrate witness. If someone is using this to try and legitimize sin mm-hmm. or saying it's okay or, or that bear up, I mean, I, I just find that sickening. Yeah. That already shows the motivation of the person's heart. Yes. 
And I think we see through in this passage with marriage as well as the ones we've just spoken of with, uh, with employers, with the government, there is a, and you mentioned it earlier, a posture. And the posture is it's not about me. This is about something larger than myself. This is about my testimony unto Christ. Yes. And we see that fully kind of— thank, Can I just say yeah. thank, thank you because I think that summarizes it well. For everybody listening to our podcast, the way these podcasts work is Mike asks a question. I take about 10 minutes to explain it. And then he circles back and in one sentence summarizes exactly <laughs> what what the answer is. It's a posture. I, so th- thank you. I, I'm a Nathan translator is uh, what you, I am. You are. You have the gift of interpretation <laughs> of tongues, I guess. The answer is what you just said. There's a posture. The posture is not meant to delineate every detail of the aspect of how it works out, but it's a controlling posture that should dictate the specifics. And it all comes down to imaging Christ. And we see that in First Peter. Um, even in First Peter 3, we see, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, whether under government, under employer, under you know, marriage, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, mm-hmm. always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's within you, and do so with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. And so here we see, and then he points to Jesus as the example, who endured suffering, who went even unto the cross, was ridiculed, spat upon, and all of those things so that he could accomplish that which was more glorious than just simply stopping that suffering in that moment. Yeah. And I think so, that's what's in the picture here. Sometimes the, the road to suffering or the road of suffering are opportunities for us to demonstrate a higher fidelity, a higher calling. And if we are blessed, and I know this sounds an odd way to say it, but if we've been blessed by God with the opportunity to suffer well Mm. in order that he might be glorified, may we ask the Lord for help to steward that opportunity well. Even John Piper actually wrote a book on Don't Waste Your Cancer. Mm. It's a challenging little book that um, God in his providence allowed for this to happen. Mm -hmm. Don't waste this opportunity. Yeah broadcast his name even through the cancer. Amen. So as a church living in a world, um, and specifically I'm thinking of the you know the American church right now, um, the Western church, we have a growing hostility towards us. What does our posture need to be in response to this? Should we be, and this, this is one of those we're going to step on a little bit of toe here, mm-hmm. should we be more concerned about our rights as Americans or our, our testimony for the kingdom of God? Now, obviously, that's kind of a loaded question, and you know, we all say, yes, Jesus. Um, but we do live in a world, in a country, where we do have rights. Mm-hmm. How do we respond with because we have those rights? Does that make sense? Yeah, if we're talking about political or socio, socio-geographic rights, do I care about my rights? Yeah, I'm concerned about them. Mm-hmm. But I want to be, I want to steward them well. Mm-hmm. And if the Lord in his providence takes those rights away from me, I pray that I can say, okay, Lord, um, then I will be obedient to it. I don't want to say that rights don't matter. Yeah. yeah. Because the ability that you and I be able to broadcast the gospel mm-hmm. right now exists because Amen. of rights that we enjoy. Exactly. So am I concerned about them? Yes. But I don't want to make them the end all. I don't mm. want to make the, 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 the one thing that matters above all things. Yeah. 
The thing that matters above all things is being willing to give up my rights so that Christ might be exalted and glorified, yeah. that I might let go of the things that are important to me so that I can be about the things that are important to him. Mm. And I think that in the modern church, the conversation is hold on to your rights, but there's no, there's no, there's no equal sign. There's no so that. Mm-hmm. There's no that. There's no therefore in order that you might what broadcast Christ. Yeah. Um, and if God takes those away, the broadcast Christ remains. Yeah. But if all you do is park on rights, mm-hmm. rights for what? Rights so that I can vote. Rights so that I can have a house. Rights that I can have what? Yeah. And if you just park it there and leave it there, it becomes very dangerous. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the conversation often exists. It's yeah. about rights. But right to do what? Mm-hmm. And that's the critical question. Yes. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And, and I all think these things will be added to you. That's right. In his perfect timing. Yes. Might which, not be to heaven. Which is the hard part for, yes. for any of us. So w- one last question, and that is how can we remain hopeful – in the midst of such animosity, especially if we see this growing hostility towards the people of God, towards Christ, towards the church, how do we remain hopeful in the midst of that? Hope and joy are daily disciplines that require every single day realigning our perspectives and hearts and minds Mm. because our circumstances may or may not change. And being involved in a community of believers at church that can help encourage us and hold us accountable are one of those means of graces that God has given us to help make sure that those mindsets stay aligned mm-hmm. and being under the preaching of God's word and reading and praying on our own. All of those are aspects by which we constantly say, regardless of what circumstances are going on, I know this to be true. Mm-hmm. And you know what? These 80, 90, 100 years that I'll live here on this earth, there's just a speck of dust in the grand beach and ocean and universe of eternity Mm. so i'll keep that perspective in mind amen thank you nathan well thank you all for listening to this episode of focused on christ make sure to subscribe to our podcast if you have not done so already if you have questions about the subject we just talked about or other things feel free to email us at questions at focused or you can visit us online at focused on christ.com